Hey everyone, welcome to A&D Do ID, and today we are going to talk about infections of the heart. Not love, but actual bad infections. <laughs> love is technically a terminal infection. That's though. my point, but <laughs> we're not philosophers, we're just physicians, so let's just start with my, I think very interesting, endocarditis. Oh yeah. So we'll, yeah, let's start off with endocarditis. If you think of this, I mean, it usually involves the valves. And it's not the worst, but tends to have a lot of issues associated with it. Congenital heart kids have a lot of issues with endocarditis. And then you always think of this, and there's a bunch of different recommendations which we're going to cover, is dental work. So if you have a problem with your heart, and you get your teeth cleaned or your teeth worked on, do you have to worry about endocarditis? Because there's just a nice natural course of bacteria right into the bloodstream, right into the heart from the mouth. And there's a lot of nasty stuff in the mouth too. So we're going to talk about that. But the big ones that you that we think of are typically going to be strep viridens uh, and staph aureus. Those are going to be the most common causes of acute bacterial endocarditis in children. You know, this is obviously different than adult endocarditis because we're typically thinking of IV drug users um, in our pediatric population. Thankfully, we're not thinking of that. Unless they're adolescents, yeah. That's true, but keep it pretty low on our differential. The One of the classic questions is going to be how to confirm your diagnosis of endocarditis. And it's actually not, the best study is not, uh, you know, a cardiac echo it is blood cultures. So blood cultures are going to help you identify the bacteria that is causing your endocarditis. If you just remember, so, there's like an infection on that little valve and it's just like spewing off little little infection things and it's going right in the, it's all in the blood. So you can get these unexplained uh, positive blood cultures need to be worked up for endocarditis. Absolutely. And based on the two bacteria that are most common for kids... The antibiotic regimen that the boards want you to know is Vank and Gent, uh, and that's going to be a prolonged course of antibiotics as well. There's lots of different considerations, like is this a MSSA versus an MRSA, um, but I would just think of Vank and Gent um, for this and not get too weeded down uh, for your treatment here. Kind of going back to what you're thinking of or things that can clue you into endocarditis is you may remember those good old Osler nodes or the Janeway lesions. Do those ring a bell, Ash? Oh, yeah. Yeah. From like, I don't know, step two maybe, something like that. That sounds about I right. Have, I will say I have seen this one time in my life. I actually have seen Janeway lesions. One time. And this is another reason to fully undress your patient when you're examining them uh, because they're going to be the non, the Janeway lesions are going to be those non-tender red nodules on palms or soles. If you're looking at the feet and you see some red nodules on there, and then you give that heart a listen and you hear a little murmur, you're thinking, you're, you're potentially thinking uh, endocarditis on this patient. Osler nodes are going to be tender, tender nodules um, on the pads of the fingers and toes. Um, so non-tender are going to be your Janeway lesions and tender are going to be your Osler nodes. Apparently, Dr. Osler, apparently Dr. Osler, the guy who found these was a real jerk. That's what I've heard actually. So that's how I remember that the Osler's hurt because he was like a jerk and that would hurt, I guess. 
I guarantee you, I will never forget that now. <laughs> I know, you're right. Apparently, it was total, like, I can't say the word I want to say, but, like, he was not a nice person. So not That's what nice I've heard. Person. I don't know. I never met him. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yep, so you, along with those things, you may have unexplained fever. That's likely going to be your first clue into endocarditis. Um, we talked about, uh, you know, petechial, you, the murmurs for sure. And then the other things that can just kind of give this generalized uh, malaise, headaches, myalgias, arthralgias, just like any of your other infectious processes, you can see these in endocarditis as well. So you're using some of those adjuncts to help you make that differential um, and end up making this diagnosis, which is, I mean, it is a challenging diagnosis to make, but it's clearly a can't miss diagnosis. So the other, the other thing you may get questions asked about is, does this child need prophylaxis for antibiotics before dental work. I feel like this changes all the time, but what I want you to remember is if they have a repaired uh, cyanotic heart disease or some kind of device as a result of a congenital heart disease, they need antibiotic prophylaxis. I don't really think it's worth getting too further down in that. Just know if they have a history of congenital heart or if they've been some kind of repair for congenital heart, I would just give them antibiotics. And that's just going to be oral mox typically. And if they're allergic, you can give them uh, Clinda or Azithro. How's that sound, Ashley? You got anything else to add for endocarditis? I think, like, truly, if you have if you have a question of this on the board, this is just my philosophy. If they're asking about prophylaxis, the answer is actually probably not. Like, because most things, even though it seems like you should because we used to, you don't prophylax anymore. So if you have to guess, the answer is no. But if there's, like, some sort of, like, fake device in their body, then I usually say yes. That's kind of my rule. You're not going to get 100% of the questions, but you'll get pretty close. I agree. And, yeah, just think about places for the bacteria to just adhere to and then just start flicking off into the bloodstream like Ashley so eloquently described earlier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's my that's my superpower. We are eloquent. We are doctors. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that is endocarditis. Um, Let's move on to pericarditis. How about that? Yes. Let's do pericarditis. And then... um, I'll do myocarditis kind of together. But pericarditis is basically inflammation and or infection of the lining, like the sac of the heart. So like, again, that thin kind of pericardial sac. That's why it's pericarditis. It's not too complicated. And it doesn't, just true pericarditis does not involve the musculature of the heart. Um, If you're talking about about a bacterial cause of pericarditis, the most common is staph aureus, but actually the most common is viral. But if you have to pick a bacteria, it would be staph aureus. The typical uh, clinical presentation of this is chest pain that improves when you lean forward. And I kind of think about that as you kind of like lean over in the sac kind of the pericardial sac kind of gets like some support, which is why it doesn't hurt anymore. I don't know that that's really the actual reason, but that's how I think about it. And the causes of this, again, are usually viral, can be rheumatologic, can be bacterial. Um, the big thing they like to to, to look at is um, ST elevation throughout the all leads in the EKG. So I know um, 
most of our listeners are pediatricians, so they don't look at STEMIs very often, but obviously we do that a lot in emergency medicine. Um, this will look like a STEMI, but a little, the, the ST segments usually have a different morphology, but it's also everywhere. It's not just in one coronary, you know, um, distribution. It is like all leads. And that should really make you think of pericarditis. The treatment, uh, you can do an x-ray, but it's kind of dumb. I don't know what it's going to tell you. I'm crazy, but whatever. Uh, the real treatment most of the time is just NSAIDs. And, you know, you can, I like to get a troponin if I think it's pericarditis just to see if there's, you know, any aspect of myocarditis going on. Cardiology follow-up. And most of these kids, as long as they look well, can go home with pericarditis alone. I think the reason that, the reason they talk about the x-ray, Ashley, is because of some of the complications associated with pericarditis, which I'm guessing you're going to talk to us about. So I think they want to look and just make sure you don't see a big old heart that you could be missing, uh, you know, a pericardial effusion that is associated with their pericarditis. Yes. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Now, I always just put an ultrasound on them and say, is there fluid there? You know, a big old tamponade or something, um, which uh, I think is what you're alluding to. But yes, you're correct. Now, if they look like crap and you think they have pericarditis, then you really want to think cardiac tamponade, which is when you have too much fluid in that sac that it keeps the heart from being able to fill with blood appropriately. So those kids kind of get hepatomegaly. They get what looks like right-sided heart failure because they're, the blood can't get out and can't get in too. So that's kind of the big thing that they worry about is the tamponade. Now I've kind of alluded to myocarditis, which I happen to love myocarditis because it's kind of that thing that in emergency medicine, you just, it's the reason it's the thing you can't miss, right? Every time I see a viral kid who is tachycardic, I think to myself, is this myocarditis? Even though it never is, right? Until it is, and then, they're, and then they can die. One, you know, a couple of the things are persistent tachycardia despite fever control in viral, in viral kids. Again, myocarditis most likely cause is viral, at least in children. They usually have a recent respiratory illness, again, from that virus. virus. Uh, it really, in kids, is really hard, and that's why I'm such a stickler for vital signs. Is because sometimes the only sign is tachycardia. They can also have other signs of heart failure, so edema, um, CHF. They can be in shock. They can have arrhythmias. I have taken care of a, a cardiac uh, arrest that ended up on ECMO from myocarditis. They, again, can look really good until they don't, and then they have an arrhythmia and die because this is really an infection in the, all the musculature of your, of your heart. And there's a lot of electric, electrical, you know, currents and necessary things in your muscles of your heart. And so you get all that inflamed and all not working well, then this can be really bad. It is important to always think of it again. It's pretty rare, but it doesn't matter. The most vi the most common virus, if you get asked is Coxsackie uh, group B. And I think that's probably going to be your board question is most common cause of myocarditis because the other ones, it is, it's a difficult diagnosis to make. So I don't, I think it's hard for them to ask a question on the boards other than what causes this, or they may talk about the persistent tachycardia as a finding associated with myocarditis. The other thing about pericarditis is just the pulseless paradoxes. You may get asked that as well. So that's that drop in more than 10 millimeters um, in your systolic blood pressure with inspiration. You can see that in, in pericardial effusions and tamponade as well. Just if you're checking their blood pressure and they take, and they take that inspiratory effort and it drops more than 10, 
then you can call that pulses paradoxus and think about a heart issue. I've never really understood how to do this. Like, how do you how do you get them to breathe in and then do you just have them hold their breath and then they take you take another blood pressure? I'm, seriously, listeners out there who listen, tell me how you actually get this information. I don't understand it, but whatever. Unless we're now putting in uh, art lines to diagnose. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't make sense. Like, if I put in an art line, sure, but I, I, real life, welcome to real life. It doesn't work. I can't figure it out, but... I got you. I'm with you. Okay, well, those were the fun ones. Uh, we're going to talk about my least favorite thing ever, but that's okay. I'm here for it. Yep, so that's going to be rheumatic fever. And this is one, I mean, we all hear about all of the major and minor criteria, the good old uh, Jones criteria. So you have the major and minor. Um, I'm going to go through them. Just tell me what it is first, I guess. I hate this. I really do. I just am so bad at it. I mean, it's just like such a, it's, I don't know. I don't know. Keep going. I'm listening. I mean, it's basically, it's an infection caused by group A strep and you end up with mitral valve disease associated from your group A strep infection. It's it's mitral valve regurg is the most common, right? Yeah. Exactly. So, and you can get all of the other sequelae of group A strep, but this is the most feared complication. Why we have been trained so kind of beat into our head that you need to treat strep to prevent rheumatic fever. We won't get into that here because that is beyond the level of the boards. Um, but yes, so prevention of rheumatic fever is why we treat strep throat because it is caused by group A strep. Um, so you talked about uh, mitral valve regurg. That's the most common murmur associated with it. You're going to hear that best at the apex um, if you're listening on the heart as well. So back to our good old major and minor Jones criteria. So uh, if you think of Jones, so J is for joints. You're going to get arthritis in about 75% of cases. And it's usually like migratory, right? Like it will switch. Like, oh, my elbow hurts today, and then my hip hurts, and then my knee hurt. You know, like it changes. Exactly, which is why it makes it also a difficult diagnosis to make because, you know, is is this growing pains? Because a lot of times it can happen in the right age group um, where they're, you know, changing these pains in their body. But considering this, O is... For the shape of the heart, so carditis. Yeah, you spell Jones like you're a 13-year-old middle schooler, and you make the O a heart, okay? That's how you do (laughs) Jones criteria. Thank you for that. Again, something I'll never forget now. I didn't draw a lot of uh, heart-shaped O's in my high school days. That wasn't wasn't your uh, forte? It was was mine, yeah. Yeah, you know, to each their own. So N is going to be the Wait, nodules. Do the heart. I didn't even listen. Oh, so yeah. So cardi- that's your carditis. So new murmurs, uh, cardiomegaly on x-ray, um, or if they're in CHF, then that's going to be considered one of your major criteria. Uh, N is going to be the nodules, so firm and painless um, on your extensor surface, so wrists, elbows, and knees. That's going to be your N. Uh, e is the erythema marginatum. Um, so that's going to be the rash that's associated with rheumatic fever. Yeah. It, that, uh, that rash is the weird rash that kind of is like, they always describe it as serp- serpiginous, like serp- a serpent. 
Yes. Like a snake, which I'm always like, it doesn't look like a snake at all. Okay. I draw a lot of snakes with my two boys. I get it. It's not a snake, but that's fine. Ser- serpendigious or whatever. That's what they always say. <laughs> Serpiginous? There you is go. Is that the right word? You got it. All right. Perfect. Um, and then the S is my favorite. Uh, and that's this the Sidham Chorea. So those rapid purposeful movements of the face and upper extremities. So I literally just picture somebody, uh, you know, just making these like weird dancing movements that have no purpose to them. I've seen this once in the PICU during residency. It was not rheumatic fever. (laughs) Well, I always, I don't know. I don't think I've never really seen it, but I've seen videos on YouTube of it. And I always think of those like, you know, like those air, like really tall tube dancers that kind of like put their arms up when people, they want people to come to their sale, you know, like president's sale. And they have like the little thing that's blowing up. That's what I think of. Sidham's Korea. Yeah. Which right after we record this, we need to put a tweet of. (laughs) I think that's a good idea. We'll do that. Done. All right. So those are your major criteria. And if you have, you have to have two major criteria or one major and two minor to make the diagnosis. So we'll get, we'll add the minor and the minor are going to be basically anything else that you're thinking infectious. So arthralgias, fever, elevated inflammatory markers. So ESR, CRP, um, and then interestingly, a prolonged PR interval can be a minor Jones criteria. So if you have, you know, fever, a prolonged PR, uh, PR interval, and a new murmur, then you would meet criteria for rheumatic fever. How about that? Well, great. I figured you, you would love that. So what else? Well, should we talk about how you treat it? Sure. Let's talk about how you treat it. So the, the three primary treatment goals are going to be to eliminate the group A strep infection, alleviate their symptoms, and then prophylax to prevent recurrence. Uh, you're treating strep infection with penicillin, just like you would for any strep infection that you come in, across. So aspirin is going to be used for the migratory arthritis in some degree to the fever. You do have to consider here, though, uh, Rye syndrome because we are still talking about pediatrics and aspirin is generally frowned upon. So I think that a non-steroidal like ibuprofen would be totally reasonable to treat the arthritis, but know that in some cases aspirin is used. Uh, if there is a carditis, uh, you can consider steroids, but I don't think they're going to ask you on this because that is not To be honest, like, the rest of the stuff is like so like, I don't know. You can't do much except for penicillin, right? And then you yep. kind of just see what the damage is and you talk to cardiology and then you see where their heart's at and I don't know. The rest, I don't think you're going to get questions on it and boards. I mean, it's all so... It's pain control and treat the infection. Right. That's what the yeah. boards are going to ask you. Yeah. Yeah. So knowing that it's associated with strep and treating strep, that's that's really the... the and then using your Jones criteria because they could give you that in a, in a STEM give you the give you either two major or one major and two minor criteria in your question stem and ask you to make that diagnosis. So I think it is worth reviewing just to keep it on your differential there. Um, but otherwise, I think that's all I have for rheumatic fever unless you have anything else. No, I got that's it. That's all I got. 
All right, heart infections. I mean, that's that's some good stuff. It's probably not super high yield for the boards, but it is super high yield for making the appropriate diagnosis clinically. Because turns out you need your heart to live. Indeed you do. All right, guys. See you next time. Bye.